1: I'm Christopher Sabat, voice of Alex Louis Armstrong, the strong-arm alchemist. And you're listening to The Geek Show, which has been passed down the Armstrong line for a generation or two.
2: are at Sunnycon, not technically though, <laughs> but we are. Hello, that was my voice. Yes, that was your voice. That's bizarre. That is very, very bizarre. You're not going to use it against me, having uh, recordings of my voice on tape, are you? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm no, not. How are you today, Dave? Pretty good, thanks, Rob. Ah, we had a fun week last week. Yes, we did. We had all sorts of stuff to talk about and to see and do. There was lots to do at Sunnycon. Yeah. Lots and lots to do at SunCon,
3: and this this week's show is pretty much filled with interviews from SunCon.
2: Oh God, yes! We, we, lots and lots. Of we reviews. talked
3: to some awesome people. Uh, J. Michael Tatum. He was so cool. Uh, oh yeah. You, you you're probably going to hear that interview, and it it's it was
2: fun. Yeah, it was. I had to cut it. Oh really? Yeah. Why? Um, because it wouldn't fit on today's oh. show. So there are a couple of interviews that, unfortunately, you couldn't make it on today's show. But uh, but when I
3: get it up on the YouTube, it'll yeah. be all in its unedited yeah. glory.
2: Well, we're, we're going to be putting all of the interviews onto the show at some point. We'll work out a way to do it. We might actually just do a director's cut of the show. Cool. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, lots and lots to see and do at SunnyCon. Um, but first up, we do have some news as soon as things catch up to me here.
3: Ah, internet. The oh. tubes the tubes are filled with cats.
2: Yes, it is. Uh the internet is a wonderful thing when it works. But yeah, um so starting off with Glorious Leader is offended.
3: Uh Kim Jong-un? What yeah. what's what's offended him so?
2: Well, it's not that he's so much offended, it's more like he's downright angry. Okay. You know that uh, Seth Rogan movie, The Interview, Seth Rogan and James Franco? Yeah. Um, the pair are uh, basically journalists who are take, hired by the CIA to assassinate the leader of North Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's managed to offend him.
0: Uh, okay.
3: I would say Team America's worse in terms of, like, offensiveness.
2: Oh, God, yeah, that actually was uh, right up there with Kim Jong-il. But this one, uh, Kim Jong-un has threatened... Uh, what was it? Uh <sighs> Um, basically they've said they will they have promised merciless retaliation against the United States if the interview is released calling the film an act of war what yeah uh, in a statement published by the state-run KCNA News Agency a spokesman said the film is the work of gangster movie makers and is a wanton act of terror Mm. the act of making and screening such a movie that portrays an attack on, on our top leadership is a most wanton act of terror and an act of war and is absolutely intolerable
3: Right, um, okay, North Korea haven't
4: got
2: much hope of going to war with the United States, or really, have they? Well, they've got nuclear capabilities, so... Mmm, they say that. Yeah, I know.
3: But I would like, I'd be interested in, you know when they said Retaliation? Yes. I'd like to see Retaliation in kind. Yeah. So, if they produce a comedy film with their equivalent of uh, Seth Rogen?
2: That would work. <laughs> I'd like to see that.
3: So, uh, like, a a nasty satire about America with Korean Seth Rogen. I could see
2: that working. I could see that working very, very well.
3: I'd say it's, like, the most uh, fitting retaliation
2: you could do. Yes, that would work very, very well. I like that. Um, Yeah, a totally weird uh, story to begin with, but it's been a weird week. Next up, uh, Just Dance is now an official eSport.
3: Yeah, um it was added to the it just this year added to like the, the the esports roster it's ubisoft doing a big drive on it but it could i'm not really sure on it because it's it's all you know it's a preset routine yeah apparently there's a few ways you can register you can either like there's a you can either upload a video to ubisoft tv yeah uh okay. you can um Register your scores through um, through their online service as well. Yeah. Or you can attend one of the events that are going around countries in Europe. I think the... Is it France where it's being held?
2: Uh, Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me just check. Um, yeah. I'm
3: far away from anything resembling a computer, so I'm yeah. just doing this from memory.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, according to the ESWC founder, Mathieu Dallon, Uh, competitive gaming has to welcome all kinds of players, has to be developed in partnership with the game's publishers, and has to showcase the most advanced technologies which link the body to the game. Just Dance is for ESC, uh, ESWC, the perfect medium to reach those goals. The thing is, I I suppose, in a sense, Just Dance is is the closest thing that most normal people would associate with the sport.
3: I guess, but the thing is, there's no real sport that has, like, to a preset routine.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. There's no real sport that works to a preset routine. Well, I don't know. Uh, actually, there are.
3: No, I mean, even figure skating and things like that, they they have, like, expression within the routines. that They mm. you have to include certain aspects, but they can do what they want. Nope,
2: weightlifting. Yeah. Mm. Weightlifting. Um, weightlifting, um, gymnastics
3: but that's yeah, ok
2: they have to put together a routine, ok so that's where the creative part comes in but with with weightlifting they have to do it basically pretty much as the forms dictate um,
3: on a related story, have you seen that um, in America they've added esports to varsity in a university yeah, I heard about this so, basically, uh, well, apparently the uh, the dean of the university has basically said he sees no distinction between, like, top-level play when it comes to things like college football or yeah. esports. Interesting. And given the amount of time people dedicate to games like the MOBAs, like League of Legends and
2: Dota and things like that. Well, isn't the Dota 2 prize now over 10 million? If it is, then, wow. Yeah. But uh, uh, Dota 2's really trying to
3: drive it. Yeah, more. Um, and league still has a bigger player base, from what I understand.
2: Yeah, because uh, I think there's only about 16 teams entering the Dota 2 tournament this year.
3: All right, that's down from last year, from what I remember.
2: Um, well, I mean, the finals or whatever it is, there might yeah. have been more, you know, in like group stages and various things like that. But the Swedish guys who won last last time, they're uh, they're in again, obviously. Yeah, as the reigning champions. Anyway, um, so just as Uh, Just Dance is now an Um, e-sport. The things that happen every single day. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. There is new software developed by Carnegie Mellon University that can automatically edit out the boring bits uh, of a movie and allow you to watch just the interesting parts. Cool. Um,
3: I just want to see some action and explosions and stuff. Is that what
2: it'll do? Just leave out the talky bits? Well, it means that rom-coms will have to include more fights and explosions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I want to see Hugh
3: Grant get into a fight with uh, Mr. Darcy. That'd be good.
2: No, no, Hugh Grant get into a fight with a phone booth. That'd be funny. Mm. I reckon the phone booth would win.
3: But is this just by algorithm, or does someone decide no, it's a bit it, boring? It, 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 it.
2: <laughs> oh, God. I'd get Rob to apply for that job. Uh, yeah. I think that would be, uh, that would be a brilliant job for Rob. Um, <laughs> cause loads of things would get cut that we don't like. Anyway, yeah, it's an, it's a new piece of software called Live Light. It constantly evaluates action in a video. It tries to identify visual novelty, so it flags sections that are repetitive or eventless, and then edits them out. In effect, it produces a trailer <laughs> version of the footage you shot. Uh, you shoot uh, just the best bits. But if you apply this principle to a Michael Bay movie, <laughs> no better. I just thought if you apply it to Dragon Ball Z. Oh God, yes. <laughs> you could have like. All them
3: powering up bits, and all the bits where they actually talk or react to things, gone. Just fights.
2: Do you think they might do that? Do you think they might do a new Kai version, but using this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could work. But yeah, um, Dragon Ball Z, it would be brilliant for that. But yeah, it would make a difference to any Michael Bay movie, because you get like an explosion at the beginning, and then all you'd have is like... Oh God, can you imagine Transformers, for example? You'd have robots fighting robots, but then there's loads of robots fighting other robots, so they're, it's classed as repetitive.
3: Mm, yeah. Uh, I think it would still class for visual no- novelty, wouldn't it? If...
2: I don't know. I mean, uh, shiny metal hitting shiny metal? Maybe. I'm not a fan of the recent Transformers films. I don't think anyone is, except for Michael Bay. No, they're getting
3: a lot of people in cinemas, somehow. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, Uh. I watched the uh, Honest trailer of uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen.
3: Oh, is that the one with uh, the really racist robots?
2: Um, yeah, they, right. but they, in the Honest trailer they also put that thing about, uh, the clip about Michael Bay who's on stage and he, was, uh, he had the microphone and he was like, I just want to say to all the fans and then, uh, oh no, I can't do this, and then ran off stage. Okay. Which was, uh yeah, uh, it was either embarrassment or shame. One or the other. Michael Bay, you suck. Coming um, next
3: from Michael Bay, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he won't rest until your childhood is in ashes.
2: Yes, I know. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh The Robot Revolution. Newsreaders. The world's first Android newsreaders have arrived. Um, ah, not just... I, I did see, like... Um, They've created an A.I. that will... Yes, they've created an A.I.
3: That will actually put together sports journalist um, articles. Yeah. And they tested it on people. Like, gave them ones written by a real sports journalist and ones written by a procedurally generated A.I. Yeah. And... In
2: testing, people couldn't distinguish the difference between them. Really? Mm-hmm. Sports journalists and androids? Yep. Hello about everyone, by the way. And Hello, Rob. That's as
5: much a damnation of sports commentators as, as much as it is, you know, yay technology document there. <laughs>
3: <'Cause sports laughs> but, but that's not the story. Show. That was
5: just me throwing something else Oh, no, there. I'm just saying. I'm just commenting on your story. I'm commenting on your, you know, <laughs> your commentary, on your, you know... tangent. Yeah. Tangent, that's the one. I'm yeah. a, I've got a bit of a, a moment. I, I found Ayambo uh, ice cream again, so my day cannot go down now. <laughs> I've reached the peak. Well, yeah,
2: we have Japan to thank for these new rea- news readers, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all I've got to say about so, that. So tell me, we haven't heard anything about these newsreader androids yet. Um, basically, they they were shown off uh, in Japan at the Android What Is a Human exhibition at the uh, in Tokyo. A miserable pile of secrets. Yeah, uh, the uh, the robots called Komo, uh, Kodomoroid and Otanoroid look and act so real that uh, that they seem like human actors pretending to be a robot. Apparently.
3: <laughs> okay. And back to you, Kodomoroid. <laughs> I'm just thinking of um, Have you seen Video Game High School? Yes uh with i think it's called fragbot or something but yes the, the uh, yeah there's only one robot commentator on that but still yeah
2: yes but yeah um sorry i just want them to do the uh, to do the sports now you yeah. know the world cup news that should be interesting um anyway moving I on. want
3: Soundwave from transformers reading the red the weather
2: yes um <laughs> 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 Moving on. That's a very squeaky chair you got there, Dave. Yeah, I wonder if the mic's picking it up. Picking it up. Um, Wimbledon WGF Award. Wimbledon have hired a particular uh, something to keep away the pigeons, and that something is a hawk.
5: That's a very bizarre story, but this this stinks of the sort of terrible planning that you get. Oh, we have mice, so we got a, a snake to get rid of it. Oh, then the snakes went rogue, so we got like an alligator to get rid of it. <laughs> Then we got alligators and rugs, so let's get a mech.
3: And it yeah. just goes on and on and on. It and just gets any, worse. I'm, I'm of, pretty sure there are hundreds of years of falconry experience there. That's no, um, no, falcons. They're,
2: they're, you know, falconry deals with hawks as well. Yes, Anybody I know, but they're
5: kind of... They're a free spirit, then. You can't, you can't pay them down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lemon turtles. <laughs> does, uh, does the hawk have a name? Yes, the hawk has a name. It's called Rufus. Rufus?
5: <laughs> yeah. I take it all back. That's the best name for any sort of you know,
2: badass yeah. bird of prey. Um, yeah, Rufus is the hawk's name, and he can be found circling the courts between 5am and 9am every day. You <laughs> because... make him sound like a different type of predator, in fact. <laughs> No. But, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but yeah. Um... So does
3: he get to eat what he kills?
2: I don't think so. Uh, oh. Apparently he helps reduce the number of comedy pigeon on court moments during the tournament. Is this just
3: through intimidation or does he like thin <laughs> out the pigeon population himself?
2: Oh god, can you imagine Rufus just well, going, going to pigeons and the daddy year? Nothing to say, move on, move yeah. on. Well, Do we give him was, like a dinner suit and a, and a bow tie, you
3: know? <laughs> I used to work at Preston Park and uh, we took the birds of prey out every day you know, for flying and stuff. Yeah. We had a, we had a kestrel, a buzzard, and a barn owl. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what, what I found used to happen is, other things like seagulls and pigeons, when they see a bird of prey around, they'll gang up on them.
5: Yeah. Well, seagulls gang up on humans, so So that's not a big stretch. They're evil.
3: Yeah. That's it. They will gang up on birds of prey. They will try to, like, muscle them out with a big, group
2: yeah um, right moving on um, WGF award uh, number two and the last news story before we break into Sunnycon in song um, Arnold C right <sighs> a lady a girl called Laura Hartika has created a themed programming language around Arnold Schwarzenegger, you called see, Arnold C. I've got to stop you there, because you see the name,
5: uh, it's code. Yeah. It's a um, spoof code, if you will, and it's called Arnold C. Yeah. It's, of all the things to go for Arnold R- Schwarzenegger, isn't that what I think? It's Arnold C. Rimmer. That's what I thought they'd <laughs> go for, a red dwarf in <laughs> yeah. language. If it was called Arnold
2: Rimmer, then I would... No, have... no, i just leave it as Arnold C, because that's yeah. his name, Arnold C. Rimmer.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know why it's called Arnold C... Couldn't honestly tell you, but... uh will be it, like it, C+. Plus, yeah, it? probably. C but, you see,
5: uh, Red Dwarf, it's perfect. It's actually yeah. a perfect thing going
2: on there. Anyway, it's uh, apparently an imperative programming language where the basic keywords are replaced with quotes from different Schwarzenegger movies. And if it's sort of applied to games, you can
5: have, you know, God Mode are what's it called? Uh, what's the Kill Rimmer called? Ace Rimmer.
2: Yeah, Ace Rimmer mode. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah... Uh, every programme has to start with, it's your time, and stop with, you have been terminated. Uh, to print text, you use the command, talk to the hand. To, to declare a variable type, you say, uh, you type, hey Christmas tree. Uh, uh, while is stick around, return is obviously, I'll be back, and so on and so on. This sounds like someone who has barely seen
5: any Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I mean, where is the commando reference? Where is the jingle all the way reference?
2: <laughs> no, no. Uh, Put the that's probably, cookie down. No, uh, there go. Who is your daddy and what does he do? No, that's terrible. That's Get to a the is...
5: chopper. There you go.
2: That's pretty. <laughs> that uh, jingle it, all it the way.
5: It's all Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's so many good references. They go for stuff that's in, I don't know, Eraser or something. Nobody ever seen.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, all right. I remember about Eraser is they build up this gun you know that, like an X-ray through everything, and oh, shoot yeah, it's like a, like a rail gun, basically. Um, and then by the end of the film, he's got two of them.
5: Yes, yeah, the stress the point that it's really hard
2: to carry this thing. I've got a it's few other examples, and on tanks, yeah. No, and okay. Alice Watson has got two at the end. I've got a few other examples of what's in this coding language, <laughs> uh, because I'm going to say, please, you have no respect for logic. Um, let off some steam, Bennett.
5: Stick oh, around, one Commando reference. So they have.
2: Yeah. Some guns. I need your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle. Um where are we? Hasta la vista baby. <laughs> um yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh where are we? Enough talk. Uh there's quite a lot. It looks like they've been through all the all of the better Arnold one liners Why his would you movies. ever
3: use this programming language though? I, I have it yeah. No I like it it would take longer.
2: I honestly have no idea why you'd use it.
3: Okay. <laughs> Good. Then it's pointless.
5: (laughs) Yes, which is why it's a WTM one. Remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied. (laughs) There's the... But what sort of of part of coding would you apply that to? Uh, When you want to do a sort of... When you've got a wrong website, the wrong page on the website and it doesn't exist, and you want some sort of flashy code, sort of say this page doesn't exist. Oh,
2: the uh, 404? Yeah, 404.
5: Put Mm. that there. That works. It could work. Then we can code it... It sounds like the sort of thing that Letterboxd.com, which is like a social networking for moviegoers, would have, because they did have that sort of weird stuff on their 404 page.
2: Yeah. So uh,
5: I think one was, I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. Not you, Dave. 2001 Dave. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not suggesting that all Daves are like the Highlander, There can only be one, and
3: you slowly murdered your way to the top.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would like that idea. <laughs>
3: No, all Daves share a collective consciousness, we just don't talk about it much. Really? Oh, if I let the cat
5: out of the bag by... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Dave game is up. It's <laughs> alright, the revolution's coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it won't matter. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that explains the TV channel, then. They're the hub behind all of it. The TV channel, Dave. That's, that's where the... Oh, right, started. I see.
2: Yeah. Right, shall we take a quick break for a song before we come back into SunnyCon? Yeah, let's start on the interviews. We'll be back
1: in a few minutes. Good day, I'm Graham Stark.
6: And I'm Kathleen DeVere.
1: We're from Internet Comedy Powerhouse Loading Ready Run.
6: And if you are listening to the radio expecting to hear about butts, you are listening to the wrong show. This is The Geek Show, which is much cooler but has far fewer behinds.
1: You're looking for The Butt Show. It's on the other side. Welcome
5: back to the uh, the Geek Show on the Interwebs for our Sunny SunnyCon special. Do stay tuned for our competition. To win a Yu-Gi-Oh! statuette figurine thingy worth fifty quid. It's very impressive. Yes it is. People staring daggers at Rob at the SunnyCon.
2: Yes, and I use it to get more prizes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The snowball effect. Yes, it was, yes it was the snowball effect. I have to say a big thank you to Bev and Nathan. Because they gave me, uh, they were basically wandering around with me, holding the rest of the stuff.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Poor guys. Thank you. Being your pack mules.
2: Well, I needed somebody to hold stuff. I couldn't hold it all myself. Anyway, uh, we've got all sorts of interviews today.
3: What are we starting with?
2: Um, We're starting with Clive Lee. But first up, what did you guys think of SunnyCon then?
3: I had a lot of fun. Definitely. Um, obviously, the first day we were pretty much hauled up in a room interviewing. I mean, that was fun. We got to talk to some really interesting people, which you'll hear very soon. Yeah,
5: yeah. Colourful characters. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a fun event. I think. I mean, I'm famous for not getting on with anime conventions. They kind of mm-hmm. look at me and say, "What are you doing here?" And I enjoyed it actually. I really, really enjoyed it. It's just the the vibe of the place. It's much more. I think more of a community spirit about the Yeah, thing. And definitely. It just, it just feels much more welcoming and you feel part of being there rather than, you know, us and them at well, conventions
3: Well, the dealer tables for next year have already sold out, I think.
2: Um, yeah. Near, near enough. I
3: think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of demand for it. But I was chatting to a lot of the dealers and artists and they love the atmosphere and uh, just the general, the, as you say, the sort of community feel.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Good thing it was. So, I don't know whether it was a byproduct of the success, but next year they are moving it to a three-day event, like doing the Friday yeah. as well. So I can understand why, because it's just one of these things that it just. Yeah, it's a fantastic little feel at that venue that they've got at the Pullman in, in Seaburn, which is impossible to get to if you walk. <laughs> all the way.
2: Yeah, don't walk there from the uh, Seaburn train station. It's not worth it. Get the bus in fact get the bus from sunderland town center to the pullman because it stops right outside but it was a it was a good event and there's a nice lot there's lot a lot nice was venue on, as well you know?
5: there was a r- wide range of stuff there's like the voice actors which we'll we'll hear from yeah there was lots of voice actors actually and lots of interesting people really lots you know, of awesome more, cosplay as well oh god yeah. yeah one of them i think it's our first one uh i thought you know i've seen cosplay i know it's not that good yeah. And then I saw that guy Is says that's a statue oh it moved
7: oh wow yeah. <laughs> that's a was, that, was that Clive in the
5: banshee <laughs> that's Clive he yeah. kind of scared me the cosplay can be that good it was very 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 impressive we got pictures on our Facebook group our yes pages. we have. if you want to see oh, more yes. of what we're talking about
3: yes but uh, Clive quite surprising really because um, when you see him out of the armour
5: yeah very you know reserved guy very small oh he's a lovely fella oh yeah he they is but, his wife but Mech, it's kind of like... Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. He towered over everyone in that thing. It was like seven feet tall of pure...
2: Oh, Rob left uh, on the Sunday, so he missed the Gundam fight. Ah. Uh, uh, the the uh, Gundam versus Warhammer. You know the guy as the Space Marine? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, playing he, he like... He won uh, the uh, cosplay contest in there, I believe. The guy who won uh, the, the Space Marine. Guy yeah, guy, yeah, the Warhammer yeah. guy won the cosplay competition. Um... I, I, I've got to, I've got to say, it, 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 there was some weird moments because there were a lot of families there, which was strange. oh, the Link one, Link story. Yeah, uh, there was. A, I I'd just come out the hotel room, and the main entrance to the marquee is right, was right opposite our front door. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a little kid runs out as Link. You know, <laughs> and I'm going, okay, I, I, I kind of get it, and then his, his older sister runs out after him dressed as Midna. No. It was just That's, I never seen it but that sounds adorable. It, it was and then uh, there's a guy wandering around dressed as uh is it or U- uh, Uchiha or whatever his name is the guy who owns the shop in Bleach. Oh yeah. yeah Urahara yeah. Urahara. Yeah, yeah. The um, only cool one in the series. Yeah. And he's pushing this buggy around and he's in the, you know he's in the queue for Quentin and I'm basically making sure no one else joins the queue cuz we want to steal Quentin for an interview. And he lifts his son out of the out of the buggy, and it's just this cute cute little you know, uh, cute little probably six months old, uh, six month old boy, wearing a Superman outfit. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the most adorable scene. Him dressed as Urashima, lifting out his son, who's yeah, Superman.
5: When, uh, you mentioned that. I thought the perfect costume for them two would be Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, and God, you did yes. Suggest oh, it to I him. did. I did. And if he does turn up next year as Lone Wolf and Cub, he's if- yeah, he is officially my favourite person in the world.
3: Well, <laughs> should we give out our own cosplay award? Yes. Yes. Yes.
5: yes.
2: Totally. And he's won it if he turns okay. up. Basically. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what about? Uh, did you guys get a chance to talk to any of the dealers or the artists?
3: Oh uh, yeah. Pretty much all of them, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, So, uh, which of the dealers stood out for you? Don't make me pick. A lot of them are friends, so I can't really, like... No, I mean, which ones ones stood out for you, as in, you know... Because I'd never seen all Japan.
3: No, I've I've had difficulty finding them on Facebook or anything afterwards, but I loved their stuff, like... The, the T-shirt with don't you touch me with those filthy yowie hands. <laughs> that is good.
5: I've got to say, uh, any longer time listeners of the show will know, I do not like steampunk. Yes. I hate steampunk. It's oh, god! Oh, oh, but I the, the think the greatest claim, one of the good claims of this event, is it actually made me see sense on the dealers I had that were dealing in steampunk were very Oh uh, Yeah, it was the
2: uh, A.S. Emporium, James yeah. and his lot uh, at the S Emporium. Uh, who do some really good steampunk jewellery. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Really and you bought steampunk. yourself a pocket watch. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you see it, it's like, wow, I, I need that. <laughs> oh, fair enough. It starts off with pocket watches. Every mm. every person I know who's, who's disliked steampunk and suddenly suddenly sees the sense of it, every single one of them have started with a pocket watch. I will say
5: this, though. <laughs> you have a long-term sort of hate is chip tunes, and that will never change.
2: That stuff is just bonkers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, it's nice to see, like, uh, I mean, there was a lot of the artists who uh, we see regularly on the convention circuit, like, yeah. uh, you know, Safira Lou and Baggy and, uh, you know. Uh, Amelia, uh, Morgan Amelia Bromwich was uh, at uh, SunnyCon. We met her for the first time at WonCon, and I think WonCon was her first convention as an artist. Yeah, it was.
3: Uh, she's really done a lot in the past year like um she's now got her own printing stuff and i think she quit her job last week so she's like completely like independent and self-employed right now so
2: um what was it uh james um his uh his his girlfriend charlie charlie yeah. yeah um it was it them who were talking about to get no no it wasn't them It was a different uh, different deal I think they do like uh, all sorts of bead jewellery and stuff like that they were talking about getting a 3D printer I said does that mean you're going to make action figures for people oh have you seen that news story actually it
5: was in like an Asda somewhere in England where you paid 60 quid and they made a live action uh, figure of you yeah Yeah. I kind of want that now (laughs) (laughs) I want me as an action figure (laughs) (laughs) so you can play with little Rob I don't, think it's I don't think it's in a, a posable, Rob, but it's just a cool idea.
3: You could always, like, you could print out parts, couldn't you, and assemble it and, like, have it posable that way.
2: I suppose, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Like,
3: get something, have you seen the, uh, you know the Figma figures? Yeah. You can get, like, blank ones, like a base. Yeah. So if you printed out different heads and stuff for them.
2: Ah, very cunning. Yeah. Okay, so, um, let's see. Did you guys okay you, we've all been to conventions before right um loved them or hated them Rob. but we've all been I to conventions man yeah, <laughs> we've all been to conventions before i just want to ask did you guys get that uh, feel that SonyCon was different well yeah, I mean, they've
5: got a legitimate shout to be the, the biggest convention in the north now. I mean, they're certainly heading that way. Yeah. And it's all for the good reason. It's not, you know, through yeah through uh, business clout. It's through, you know, the whole community idea again that I was talking about. Not it, many conventions have that. It's all kind of... It is a big, you know, assault on the senses. Yeah. But it's all very, you know, downplayed and quite calm. Just, uh, well, there was,
3: like, constantly events going on and there was lots of things to do rather than just being a big like, row of dealers, like some yeah. places are. And even then, the dealers were quite varied, and uh, a lot of a lot of it quite quite crafty-based, and quite, like, a lot of variety in what was there, so it wasn't just, like, you know, sometimes where you get rows of dealers just there yeah. for the money. There was obviously people doing things that they loved, really, yeah. and you could see that.
2: See, I but, quite like the whole sense of community. I, it felt like SunnyCon was... Uh, and not just because of the weather Well, it felt like SunnyCon was warm you know it was quite welcoming oh, right. Warm oh right
3: not not just like the heat in the marquee
2: I did just say that didn't I <laughs> not just because of the weather yeah but yeah it felt quite welcoming you know even if you'd never been to a convention before because there were people turning up who hadn't even bought tickets going oh what's going on and poking their heads in And it wasn't you know, a residential area so that does play a part in it but that, yeah yeah it, it was very welcoming to those people who were in Yeah, you know, I mean, nobody got offended by them and everybody was happy to talk. And you yeah. know, There's just lots of little conversations going on, you know, all over the place. Yeah. it was. Uh, it's the first time, uh, it, actually, it's not the first time, but it's been a long time since I've seen that at a convention. Mm. And I think part of that was because there was a pub right next door. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, there was, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, anyway, um, we're going to launch into some interviews. We're going to start off with uh, Clive, who... No, we will sort of preface this. We won't have time for music, so interviews straight through to, you know. Yeah, we will be introducing each each of the interviews, but we're going to start off with Clive, who... Ooh, weird. A bit of reverb there. Um, But, yeah, Clive, who is basically the guy who all the mech cosplayers came to see. Uh, Dave, who won the uh, who won the cosplay contest? I was talking to him afterwards. Not me, no, not you, Dave. No, different Dave. The guy who did the Warhammer outfit. Dave, you would drown in that Warhammer outfit.
3: What? Well, I'm I'm used to heavy cosplay, dude.
2: No, no, I'm just talking about the sheer size of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was talking to Dave afterwards, and he said everyone else came for. Uh, j michael tatum quentin that, you know everything like that they only came because clive lee was going to be there and that's it it's the only reason that him and steve came along was because clive lee was going to be there
5: yeah unassuming guy from singapore and he's amazing
2: he hopefully. is he is he is a legend right we're gonna go uh, we're gonna have a uh, listen to what clive lee has to say about making a gundam cosplay we'll be back after he tells you himself
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Show. We're here at SunnyCon, and uh, we have with us Clive. If you, he's an amazing cosplayer, but if you could please tell us a little bit about what you do, just for our uh, listeners
8: and viewers. Hi, everyone. I'm Clive. Um, I'm a cosplayer from Singapore, this small, little island below Malaysia. Uh, just to clear up some misconceptions, Singapore is not in China. <laughs> it is near the equator. <laughs> Alright, and uh, it's a very hot country, and uh, as insane as it sounds, I actually enjoy being hot, because I cosplay well, mech. Yeah, up. I can imagine, in Singapore,
3: are those even more hot to wear?
8: Yeah, it's practically boiling, it's oven, if you call it. Do you have any fans set up in there, or anything, or...? Yeah, I have some fans uh, around the region, uh, Singapore, I'm actually engaged by Bandai, for some of his uh, affairs and uh, Gunplay Expo. Oh, excellent! Yep. So, um, I specialize in Gundams. <laughs> yeah. And just Gundam, or, although I would say it's a stereotype. I I did other characters as well, but I guess everyone remembers me as the Gundam guy.
3: Yeah, some of the Gundam costumes I've seen uh, of yours that do look amazing. Um, is there a favorite
8: one that you've ever done? Favourite? Well, I guess Banshee is my favourite. Uh, ah, yeah. I like black, and it's the only black Gundam that I have done. <laughs> I do like that one,
3: and hopefully we'll be seeing that later today as well. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So, can you tell us a little bit about the process of making the mech costumes, and uh, what sort of materials you start with?
8: Right. Making... Um First of all, research. Yeah. You need a lot of research.
3: Um, Google, so I'm guessing, do you, do you use like the, the Gunpla kits as reference?
8: or Yes. The Gunpla kit is a must, plus Google. Yeah. Because sometimes the Gunpla kit, um, they may have some flaws, and which they will actually release a better version yeah. in the future to correct some of these flaws. So, Like I have some of the Master Grade versions
3: of yes. the original Wing kits that they have re-released that have got a lot of corrections and differences That's on That's
8: right. So you need a lot of pictures, a lot of model kits to compare, contrast, to see which one is the best. Yeah. And that is the first step. Do you have to adjust things so that they're wearable, for example, if the shoulders are
3: too far away to actually... Or, or are the Gundam designs quite
8: human shaped or well theoretically no one can fit in a Gundam <laughs> right you have um, the skeleton yeah. of a Gundam if, if it has a skeleton it's totally different from men yeah you have very wide armpits wide legs very very long legs that is insanely not proportional yeah in terms of the human structure so the costume that I make Actually is based on the, This Prototype Which is made to Fit the human Right So it's not Very I'll say It's not tight fit mm-hmm. It's just Visually Looks good Yeah So if you really look Scrutinize it Raise your armpit And you're like Wow oh, No that doesn't look right That doesn't look like a Mecca <laughs> That's human there. Yeah so it's uh, kind of a uh, trial and error over yeah. the years that I came up with this uh, prototype, this structure that can fit a human. And I've been uh, doing it ever since. Cool. So what, uh, what is the, uh, the, the
3: costumes actually made of? Or it, I, I assume it's a mix of materials, but what yeah. do you generally use as a base?
8: Oh, it's corrugated plastic as the uh, structure. Yeah, And a PVC plastic as the wrapping To give it this glossy look Yeah, So that's the basic material That I use And in fact sadly That's the only material I can use in Singapore Ah oh, right Is there
3: like restrictions or-, yeah. or just hard to find any other materials that-
8: oh, A popular material That's been used by a lot of cosplay Will be the EVA foam yeah. Or the craft foam Which is rare now, I wouldn't even say rare it cannot be found in Singapore.
3: Ah, because I use um, things like yoga mats as a good source of
8: that. Well, the yoga mats in Singapore is kind of uh, soft. Right. Very, very soft that you can just tear it off. Ah. <laughs> it's definitely not suitable for an uniform arm. So yeah. In fact, I have problem finding the right material And until I found this corrugated plastic and realised well, it's a pretty good material. It has its merits over the the graph form, EVA form, and kind of been using it
3: ever since. And how do you tackle things like uh, joints? Is that a complicated process or is that fairly easy if you've planned everything out in advance?
8: Um, The joints are fairly easy. Basically, it's your human joints. So uh, the idea is not to have any parts at the joint area so yeah. they can move freely. And uh, the holes or the sometimes you have to cut some openings as to compensate uh, when it, when you bend. So yeah. that your muscle you can actually flex them. So if you do not take that into consideration, you realize once you bend yourself, either you crack the armor or you're just stuck. <laughs> so, you're like a statue
3: at the convention, basically unable to move.
8: Yeah, actually, that happens to uh, a lot of uh, first time mecha cosplayers. <laughs> they're practically. No, it's beautiful. I would say the Gundam is really beautiful. Uh, some of them use uh, paper craft. Yeah. But they're stuck. they just stuck there.
3: <laughs> and what do you think the most ambitious uh, mecha cosplay you've ever attempted was?
8: Most ambitious is actually Unicorn Gundam. Yeah. It's, um, it's. Is that due to-, to the lighting and. Yes. I call it a trip to hell. <laughs> I still call it a trip to hell, even though I'm like. I finish like Banshee, but the idea of making it still terrifies me. <laughs> yeah.
3: And what advice would you give to anyone that's wanting to start out making, uh, making, like, elaborate mecha cosplay?
8: Okay um, This advice In fact I will use this word Conviction You're convicted to the idea To the ideology Of Mecha Cosplay That you have to persevere You will fail Definitely Your first try Or halfway through You will fail But you have to pick yourself up And continue Until you finish it You will fail after you finished Highly Yeah Continue the next one The more you fail The better you get okay so fail to succeed that's right <laughs>
3: excellent so are you looking forward to um seeing what cosplays people have got at the convention here today definitely are you going to be judging the uh, masquerade later
8: yes definitely excellent
3: well last year there was some great showings so hopefully we should have some awesome stuff for you today as well i really saw some awesome stuff walking around <laughs> <laughs> are you involved
8: in the pre-judging as well um, that one, I have to check it out. Uh, highlightly, no. Right. So yeah, just it's them. difficult to judge in a Gundam. <laughs> so <laughs> and so, what sort of things will you be looking for? Well, craftsmanship, definitely mm-hmm. one of them. A portrayal of character. Mm-hmm. And of course, the posing and so on. How, how much you uh, bring the character to life by action. Yeah. Or perhaps even expression. Uh, maybe that is a bit too much demand. From so the
3: performance cosplay. as well as uh, craftsmanship as well.
8: Yep, definitely. It's actually it's a whole package. Yeah, I mean, cosplay is playing in costume. You have the costume, you need to play. You missing either one is no longer cosplay. <laughs>
3: That's excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Clive. Thank you. It's been great to meet you, and uh, I'll see you later when you're all bansheed up. Sure. Thanks very much. Yep.
8: See you.
2: Right, I have no idea what's going on with this program. Welcome back to the uh, to the Geek Show on one hundred four point five CBFM. Professionalism, Rob. Yes. I <laughs> uh, this program's uh, confusing me.
5: Everything's going wonderfully since you asked, listeners. We've got no problems at all. Rob's just doing a bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm having one of my turns. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Right. Um, next up, we got uh, Kikuya Kanzashi, who. Uh, Quite an unusual one. I've not seen them at a convention before, but uh, they had loads and loads of hair ornaments. Uh, she,
5: the, the woman, uh, David, if he was, and the uh, the guy who she had with her we were all in very traditional
3: kimonos and Japanese. Yeah, kimonos dress.
2: with obi, uh, the uh, kind mm. of band that goes around the waist. Yeah,
3: they, they looked brilliant. When we get the uh, the YouTube videos up for, for all the interviews, you'll see. Like the spectacular dress that they had on, and the uh, you'll also see a little bit more of the craftsmanship of the uh, the hair ornaments that they had.
2: The hair on- ornaments looked really good, I've got to say, very detailed.
3: Yeah, well, in the interview she talks a bit about the process of making them, so you'll probably hear a little bit about why they look so good and um, yeah, how long they take to make.
2: Alright, cool, right, okay. Um, shall we go straight into that interview then? Let's do it. Hello dudes and durets and
3: welcome to the Geek Show. We're here at SunnyCon and I have with me Kirsty from Kakuya Kazashi.
6: Yep, Kakuya Kazashi.
3: Kazashi, sorry. I pronounced it right just a second ago, but on (laughs) camera, no. And uh, you have a stall here at SunnyCon. I do, yeah. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you do there?
6: Yeah, so I um, hand make traditional Japanese hair ornaments. So I'm inspired by the hair designs that the maiko and geiko wear in Kyoto. And I have made some sort of more modern wearable pieces for people that are interested in that sort of thing. But I also make um, larger replica pieces as well um, that that they would actually wear... In in there, So they're seasonal. So this one is um, a chrysanthemum and kanzashi that the Maiko would wear in October. But I also have some more modern designs too. Oh, that's cool.
3: (laughs) So basically you've got a mix of traditional and ones that uh, could be worn more as a fashion accessory or more casually. Yeah,
6: so a different sort of range of things. Some of um, the ones that I make that you might be able to wear sort of for any occasion um, start from around maybe £8 upwards and then the more... um, Bespoke pieces are a little bit more expensive, but a little bit more niche maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so what sort of occasions would these traditionally be worn for?
6: Um well They're still quite popular in Japan now so um, young women would wear them if they have a special event to go to or um, there's a big festival in Japan when Mm -hmm. people turn 21 so a lot of people dress up in beautiful kimono and wear hair accessories but they're also really wearable for any occasion so weddings, um, parties, proms um, even just day to day I wear them all the time so (laughs) Um, yeah, they're quite quite wearable.
3: Oh, that's cool. Um, Have you... uh have you been to japan and
6: yeah um i've been to japan three times now um i'd like to go as often as possible but obviously it's quite expensive yeah. so this is a hobby that i do that helps to fund my trips to japan yeah. um because it's just something that that i love doing and i get a lot of inspiration there
3: <laughs> and obviously i assume the trips to japan help with your research and yeah
6: definitely Yeah, um, help creating
3: a traditional and like
6: yeah so um yeah i'm I'm very into the culture so i'm always sort of looking at the new designs that are coming up and and sort of looking at the authentic pieces and trying to think about a way that i can make those um wearable for people now
3: yeah So what sort of techniques do you use to actually make them?
6: Yeah, so they're all um, different fabric. Um, Traditionally, you would use silk fabric, so it's cut into small squares and then Mm -hmm. folded. Each petal is individually folded Wow. um, and then placed and arranged. So within this this piece here, I don't know if you can quite see, but within this one piece here, um, there's probably, I think, maybe 200 individual petals. Um, that have been folded and then placed, um, to form the shape. So they so can take a long, long? time. Yeah. yeah. So something like this is hours of work, um, yeah. maybe 10, 12 hours work, because like I said, they're all individually hand folded. Mm-hmm. Um, something like this one, the more modern design is a little bit, um, less time. So maybe, in its entirety maybe about four hours to make something like this so it's got to be something you love doing otherwise it's (laughs) it's not going to be worth it but yeah it's something that I just really enjoy still definitely a day's
3: worth of work
6: yeah yeah Um, but it's it's nice because there's so many different designs you can do and there's so many beautiful fabrics you can work with so it's it's an enjoyable um, so <laughs> pastime.
3: I assume you sell these at other conventions as well. Yeah. But uh, do you have like a, a site where you
9: sell these? Yeah,
6: I have my own website and it's just Um And I also have a Facebook page as well that I share a lot of information about Japanese culture on mm-hmm. there. Um, So my next big event that I'm going to is Hyper Japan at Earls Court um, in July, the end of July. So that'll be the first time I'm I'm going there, so hopefully that'll be a good event as well.
3: That should be fun. And uh, what sort of people do you find... Generally drawn to what you do.
6: Yeah, it's a bit of a mix of people actually. Um, it's been interesting today because obviously there's a lot of people here that are in, into Japanese yeah. culture and cosplay and that sort of thing. So I've had a lot of people interested in that. There are some sort of hardcore um, geisha enthusiasts mm-hmm. um, out there, so I think the more traditional pieces um, appeal to that that sort of person. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's quite niche sometimes what I'm doing. So, but then the other hair accessories. It can be anybody, yeah. So ra- range of ages as well, because um, not only do I have the, the hair ornaments, but they can be worn as a brooch or I have little rings as well. So different age ranges, different um, different people, yeah. It's just nice meeting the people at the conventions yeah. and sometimes...
3: Is it easier to explain what you do yeah, to cause I Yeah, because
6: um, I think that sometimes people will look at them and think, oh, they're pretty, but not really appreciate the amount of work yes. that goes into it and exactly what it is. Um, in an age where you can buy so many things mass produced yeah. um, you know we're sort of used to that throw away fashion so sometimes i think people don't appreciate exactly what's gone into it and the sort of tradition behind it and the technique behind it but um when you get to have a chat with somebody about it then they're really sort of in interested yeah. and really impressed by it so
3: okay thanks very much no
6: problem thank you for speaking and uh,
3: if uh, if any of our listeners or viewers were interested in uh, finding out about uh, about these, web- check out your website. Yes, yeah,
6: so my website so that's kukuyakanzashi.co.uk, and also, like I said, my Facebook page, which is just forward slash kanzashi.uk, and that has loads of information about Japanese culture on there as
3: well. Well, thank you very much for thank coming you. along, Kirsty. It's been great to <laughs> Thanks talk to for
6: you. Thank me. you.
2: Hello, and welcome back to uh, the Geek Show on CBFM. Welcome back. On yes. the interwebs the interwebs. Roll over that thing. And I have succeeded in figuring things out, so I'm happy.
5: Professionalism, Rob.
2: <laughs> it's a thing. Do it. No, no, I'm not talking about anything to do with this. I've just worked out the meaning of, the, the meaning of life, the universe, and Isn't everything. is it 42? No. Are you telling me that lie, that movie? Adams was wrong. Adams was... Oh, Douglas Adams was wrong. Yes, it's actually 43. Well, I can't remember <laughs> specifics. No, no, anything. Adams was wrong. He said it was 42, but he f- forgot to carry the one. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy references people. Yes. Anyway, moving on. Um, we do have more interviews coming up, um, and the next one is a doozy. Uh, you guys have said it's amongst our best interviews ever. Well, yeah, yeah. I love the beginning. I. It's just the best. <laughs> oh yes, Dave. You, your delicious, delicious accent, Dave. Oh uh, <laughs> yes. <for> any interview. <laughs> oh yes, J Michael Tatum is coming up next and this is such a wonderful interview
3: campus interview ever i've been told
2: um not quite but have a listen for yourselves you be the judge here he is
3: welcome to the geek show guys we're here at SunnyCon, and I'm joined by SunnyCon's very
1: special guest, Mr. J. Michael Tatum. Hello, hello. How are you? Can you? Will you do me a favour? Will you say my name again in that delicious accent? Just, I want to hear it. It's,
3: ah, I forget that it's a novelty for you, the English accent, isn't it? It, it, you know? it
1: is, it is. Please, one more time, just one more time. J. Michael
3: Tatum. Oh, See, thank you. a lot of Americans uh, <laughs> confuse me for Australian because they're not used to the northern accent. Right, right. And well,
1: see, yeah, the northern accent. Well, we're American. We don't always know anything that's going on outside of. Um, and we've got a, a lot of <laughs> different accents in a very. Oh, small you can't place. go. You can't go five feet in anywhere in this country without running into another very distinct accent. And people being incredibly offended if you uh, mislabel <laughs> right. them as the slightly right. different one. Yeah, we're the same. We're in the U.S. Incidentally, we are. We try to pretend we're not, but we are. Because we have a lot more space. So you should try the accents in in the south of Texas. Sometimes there's just where I'm from in Texas very distinct accent from say Georgia yeah yeah so I so I understand I understand the plight of the English and the many 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 beautiful accents but yours in particular I love so please I just I just like to hear I love hearing my name so thank you for <laughs> indulging me <laughs> and of course an expert in voices as you are in
3: fact an expert Ooh. a voice actor that implies that oh, I know many, what I'm doing many <laughs> <roles>. <laughs> I'm just looking through some of your uh, your past repertoire and there's quite a mix of characters yes i suppose it is isn't it i suppose I it mean, doesn't it's... seem that you've been pigeonholed into the same sort of roles over and over
1: no i it's it's actually really lovely i think that's one of the appeals of being a voice actor is i think because i have because i'm uh, lucky enough to have a decent vocal range i can do a lot more uh, yeah I, c- I have a chance to take on more roles that i couldn't physically pull off um, I could I could conceivably play a 17-year-old boy in, in a rich kid's school, of course, but I couldn't get away with that physically yes. on stage unless they used a lot of makeup and all the other actors were very tall. So so it's it being you know having a range and being a voice actor really uh, opens it out so for So it lets you
3: occupy more roles than right. it would if you were doing live action.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So it's, it's really neat. It's gotten me to really explore my chops as an actor yes. doing the voice thing. So what would you say your favourite role that you've ever done is? Oh, it's hard to choose a favourite. I can't do it. I can't play the favorites mm. game. Top, they, top five? Uh, top five. Well, okay, well let let me let me let me let me appeal to your humanity for a moment. Okay. So you must imagine I'm I'm a bit psychotic, being an actor, right? Mm-hmm. So we may take that as a given. Um, being psychotic, <laughs> every role that I've ever played, every role, even like Soldier A, who says, you know, freeze and then gets shot and dies, they become like permanently lodged yeah. in my psyche. So, and they're all there, like family and friends over holiday or something, where they're all just kind of vying for, for you know, mastery of my voice. It, yeah. it's, I don't have a personality of my own, So you they're see. all your babies. You so they're all my this. children, and, and I owe a debt to all of them, and if I picked a favorite, I... swear to you, I would have 200 plus characters in my head tonight in my hotel room telling me that I was a complete SOB for not making them. So... But top five, top five. That's a little easier. Uh, Sebastian, of course, because because yes. that you know that's just a fun voice to do. It's also kind of a Valentine to my speech pathologist, my therapist that I grew up with, because I actually had a very bad stutter when I was a kid. Ah, right. Uh, and learned to speak from a lovely British woman. Ah, so learning to um, control your voice. Right, right, has, right. And and yeah, led it, it to led me to this. So yeah, I didn't speak. I my speech impediment was so bad when I was young. I didn't uh, didn't speak for a very long time. Ah. and have been making up for lost time ever since. <laughs> Uh so Sebastian is definitely one of them uh, Sir Hammerlock in Borderlands yes. 2 is a lot of fun because I just love the writing on that game uh, Lawrence and Spice and Wolf yeah very close to my heart because I love that show I love the relationship between he and Holo I think it's one of the deepest most um, realistic uh, portrayals of a, a, a budding relationship between two people that I've ever seen and uh, and of course there's uh, oh god there's so many uh, Okabe from Steins Gate mm-hmm. one of my all time favorites because I also had the chance to write uh uh, most of his dialogue, ah, right. much of his dialogue. Yeah. Patrick Seitz and myself worked on the adaptive scripts together, and uh, really wonderful experience that was. A little, little trying at times. It's yeah. hard to write the show. You're also the lead in, and I would never do it to myself again. I will um, just give myself the best lines. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it was more like, oh, I do not envy the poor b- that has to say these words. Oh, it's me, damn it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's that's more like what it was. What it was like recording Steinsgate, and. Um, yeah, so, there, but you see how hard it is to pick. I just go off on these tangents.
3: And some <laughs> of the other roles you've done. Um What's it like stepping into the shoes of, uh, for example, uh, Zarbon in Dragon Ball Kai and Scar in Brotherhood, where there's a right, preconceived right. Perform- performance?
1: Well, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I think working on anime, and particularly dubbing, it kind of prepares you for that because uh, you're always and stage as well. I should add mm. because very seldom as an actor do you get to create a role yes. fresh out. You're the first actor to have the role. You you have to uh, see yourself as kind of standing on this continuum of many people who have brought their own interpretation to the role that you're playing. So it's not a huge leap from knowing that you're having to breathe life into a, this character that someone else already has yeah. established a relationship with, uh, because obviously we're, we're working off the Seiyu in Japan, first of all. Mm-hmm. and then, uh, But I, w- in the case of Scar with Fullmetal Alchemist, I was such a huge fan, and I'm still yeah. a huge fan of the franchise, uh, but it, the, the original series... Uh, wrapped before I was really embedded in the industry yes. so I didn't really have a chance to work on the show although I was like a, a, an extra in the movie I believe and yeah. uh, The Conqueror of Shambhala which was great fun that was me coming home going oh this is a red letter day I got to be involved in the Full Metal Alchemist franchise <laughs> <laughs> um, and then five years later Mike McFarlane asked me if I would like to take up the mantle of Scar and of course I said yes you don't yes. say no to that you don't say no to Mike McFarlane for God's sakes and oh, so gets brilliant parts in the second like towards uh, the latter part of the anime love, and it's such a great great show and, such, and, it's, and it's different than the first so I was, yeah. you know, there, there's justification of, of having an, a, your own spin on it. Um, but it, literally, my very first line as Scar, as recorded, uh, went something along the, to the tune of uh, foolish alchemists who turn their backs on the ways of God shall be punished. Followed very swiftly by hee <laughs> hee because I was playing Scar. <laughs> so, so fanboying over yourself. Absolutely, fanboying over the fact that I, yeah. I'm getting to play Scar in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I love my life. Yeah. I love my life.
3: <laughs> and how does it differ recording uh, an anime to recording like a, a game, for example, like Borderlands?
1: Uh, they're very different. Very different. Uh, with a with a game, it's uh, it's all. Mostly prelay, what we call prelay, which is the usually you have a a you have concept art to work Mm -hmm. off of, but very rarely is there anything uh, any animatics. Yes, you have a a character, uh, and often you you discuss the character as you would with a director straight on doing stage Mm -hmm. or film, but you don't have. um, There's nothing animated to 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 go along with. Because normally the uh, uh, animators would work off the sounds exactly, which is very liberating in a way. But I'm so spoiled by anime that I'm used to being able to watch. You know, I get to do dubbing, which is completely the opposite of that, where yeah. the anime exists already, and to you have the to work within and the this pre-existing and timing. And often, the the soundtrack or the animation or the way the character moves really recommends the, the, the way you want to deliver your lines. Yeah. So in absence of that, that freedom can be very terrifying, because you're not really sure where you want to go mm-hmm. um, with it. I, th- I find that as an actor, you, you always have to make choices, and, and and the more choices you have available to you, <laughs> the more likely you are to choose wrong. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, anime has always helped sort of focus my performance because, you know, I, I can look at the character and the way they're drawn and see them move and hear the soundtrack and listen to the original Japanese seiyu and, and get an idea, um, you know, creatively where I want to go with it. Yeah. I'm have i have, I'm limited in my choices and so that in, it, it focuses my performance in a way that uh, makes the process very interesting and organic, whereas recording in a vacuum, as you frequently do for something that's prelay, um, it, it can be very terrifying. But luckily, I mean, I, I'm a very physical actor too and... And the way that uh, Sir hemlock was written originally was so funny and over mm-hmm. the top that I just really got into it. And I'm, Though he started out as a, as a rather small character that only had a couple of appearances, I believe, um, they quickly well, he got his grew, own and DLC, grew and grew and grew until he, he became you know one of the quest givers and then he yeah. had his own DLC. And I'm convinced this happened because the producers and the writers enjoyed watching me make a jackass of myself <laughs> in the booth so much that they thought, we have to get Sir more Sir hemlock because I, I look like a complete jackass when I'm recording the booth my arms flailing and making all these great gestures i mean it's really it's well if it helps with the sound why not absolutely and even if i may occasionally take out a microphone with with a fist not meaning to have done that before so (laughs) (laughs) so if if a studio is to hire you make sure they're (laughs) well-insured yes (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I think there's a, there's a phrase at Funimation, um, you know, the the good anime folks that it's, it, pulling a Tatum is uh, now a euphemism for looking like an ass in the booth, um, because I do, i I've oh, I've done amazing amazing amazingly ridiculous looking things in the booth recording characters like wear blue snuggies while recording for France and Italia true story that it actually became part of my contract after a while <laughs> um, you wear one blue snuggie one blue snuggie and after that like well now every time you record you must wear the snuggie so I'm a grown man wearing a blue snuggy while recording okay um, so yeah well thank you very
3: much for coming and talking to us today thank you this has been delightful I appreciate it and uh, I hope to hear you in many more things to come well, from your mouth to God's ear. Thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Hello, and welcome back to
2: uh, the Geek Show. That was the brilliant J. Michael Tatum. Welcome back.
9: Yes. And
3: when I said campus interview ever, I didn't mean from uh, Jay Michael. I meant uh, I meant mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can see it more on the uh, the YouTube one, and also there'll be uh, there's a, a little bit more, a few more anecdotes that end up in the. Uh, the extended cut as well.
2: Yeah, we will be putting that in the uh, YouTube video. Yes, we it? will. Um, yeah, there is uh, there is the whole kind of Hammerlock incident the, in Canada, for should, example. Surefire should- way of getting past customs is just to recite a certain line from Yes, Lord Hammerlock.
5: Yeah, <laughs> so yes,
2: um, that will be uh, that will be in the uh, YouTube video and in the director's cut version of this show. Director's cut. Yes, director's, I'm not director's cut. cut. We'll be doing a. Uh, it's it's like Anchorman 2.5 yeah Yeah. yeah. anyway um, we've got one more interview before we do some reviews and this is with the brilliant KNK Productions who did the uh, live action Dragon Ball
5: trailer yes what was the inspiration behind this Dragon Ball Evolution was so bad so why shouldn't we have a (laughs) call yeah Yeah. something something good came from that that's that's cool
2: basically anyway this is the guys from KNK stay tuned we'll be back soon
3: Hello and welcome back to The Geek Show, another interview from SunnyCon, and I'm joined by K&K Productions, Hello. who you may have seen with their work on the Dragon Ball Z Saiyan Saga, the live-action version yeah. of Dragon Ball Z. Can you tell us a little bit about it for our listeners and viewers, please?
4: Sure. Uh, my, my name's George, uh, and this is Harry. Um, yeah, so we did a um, Kickstarter for a Dragon Ball Z project create yeah. a live-action trailer uh, based on the Saiyan Saga uh so we did that in end of 2012 we released it um went online and it got a massive response yes, from we, what i saw we were now uh, it got like a couple million sort of straight off the bat and then yeah. now we're kind of hitting near the seven million mark so yeah it's doing really well online which is which is really great
10: yeah, we made the trailer because um, we're big Dragon Z fans, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we weren't the biggest fan of the uh, Evolution movie that was made. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to kind of... Um, make something that we thought was more true to the story and that the fans would enjoy kind of thing and i think one of the reasons that it was the video was so successful was because all the way along we kind of made videos talking about what we were doing yeah. showing showing how we were doing it we showed the cast members and thanks to the money that we raised we were able to go to pinewood studios which was like amazing yeah um so for us it was like just a, a ridiculously amazing experience just to kind of uh, do all that great dragon ball z stuff and have people help us out and stuff like that so yeah
3: oh that's excellent like so what inspired you to start doing this i mean you said you were big fans of the series well was uh, it just a reaction to (laughs) dragon ball evolution being
10: part part of it yeah Yeah. i mean like we were all we've always um had like video cameras when we were younger like we messed around making like lego movies and stuff like that kind of thing and um one of the things we always talked about was dragon ball z and then like when evolution was coming out and all the first trailers i was going "Hmm, you know we'll give it a chance yeah and then obviously we weren't uh, you know (laughs) disappointed um so that was like okay and then just kind of sitting there and going, there's this amazing franchise that everyone around the world loves. And yeah. they've made a movie, and now it's going to be put on the shelf, and no one's doing anything with it. And we were just like, this is like... Not only does the fans really want to see it, it's like this... it's The story's already written, it's like there, ready yeah. to go, kind of thing.
3: It seems bizarre when there's like, such well-loved source material not to stick closer to it.
4: Exactly. Um... Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what we thought. I mean, we, we'd always talked about doing it anyway. Um, this kind of trailer, this concept, just yeah, you know, to make it pure fandom, you know, sort of thing. And uh, yeah, like we 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 just looked at it sort of got to a point where we thought, yeah, you know, we can do this now. And you know it, it took you know, we when we first talked about it, we we're like, oh, we would not be able to do it justice whatsoever. You know, when we're still kind of learning and getting our yeah. skills and stuff, and um, you know when we got to a point where we thought "Well, we can we could we can have a go at this and you know try and pull it off sort of thing so so
3: what goes into like planning out how you are going to realize some of the amazing effects
4: from the dragon ball franchise sure yeah we we uh <laughs> i've been learning after effects yeah um so that's, that's the program we use for for the effects and stuff and you know yeah we, you know there's a lot of big challenges to overcome um but you just have to you know. Sit down, work out you know, how how you're going to do it, how you're going to composite it together, make mm-hmm. it make it all work, sort of thing. So it was a it's it a challenge, but um, but exciting to do.
10: A lot of it comes into the the planning of the actual shoot because we have to shoot things a certain way with green screen and stuff like that so really planning the shoot down to a T and knowing how we're gonna shoot it for the visual effects afterwards yeah made life a lot easier to be honest we didn't make our lives actually that easy we, there were things we we now know from that shoot that we were like oh my god it's taken so long to, yeah. to, to work stuff out um and like George like does all of the visual effects himself kind of thing and as time has gone on every time we have a new challenge a new film he we learned so- he learned something you know yeah. kind of thing um so even now we look back at the science saga and go we could have done that better we done that different kind of thing but you know
3: yeah and uh a lot of people have really liked the the, the take on the costumes that you've done um how was it like translating things like the same armor into something that looks more realistic that would be wearable
10: well we initially we, we thought the colours in Dragon Ball Z are obviously very bright kind of thing. Yeah, and if you translate that straight to that that orange of Goku's costume straight to like live action, it's going to look a bit cheesy. It's gonna, Yeah, you kind know, of stuff. So we wanted to stay true and keep the keep the colours, but we wanted to just kind of make it more earthy, like to tone it down. Yeah. So like you still see the orange gene and all that kind of stuff, but it's just bit more desaturated. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Um, because the thing is with dragon ball z obviously it's an anime it's, and that works for anime those big colors and that yeah. kind of stuff doesn't quite translate the well same.
3: the same way things like uh wolverine doesn't wear yellow and blue spandex exactly. in the x-men films it's a slightly different convention that you've got going on with live action
10: so exactly so that that, that was my main, main concern it was that goku wears this you know wears this all the time so it used to feel like something that he would could fight in and wear and that kind of yeah. stuff um, the same armor was a little bit of a different issue, if you want
4: to. Yeah, so we actually had um right up to the point of two weeks before we shot the the trailer, we'd had the costume designer maker on board, mm-hmm. and we basically two weeks before we still hadn't seen the armor yeah. or, and or half of the costumes really. Um, so we you know got on his case and just said look you know we need to see something what are you going to give us and mm-hmm. uh basically what he had produced was nothing like we had talked about right. <laughs> that we wanted it was kind of he'd gone off on his own right you know uh sort of vision so um we pretty much had to start start again so we you know it was we took what he had had done and kind of enhanced it changed it how we wanted it mm-hmm. um so with the same armor we uh the, the the new girl that we got on board uh Injo, she came on and she you know she literally had like a week to try and make something out of nothing basically and uh so she literally on the on the morning of the shoot we were going about to leave to go down to the to the location and she was still making it that morning you know yeah so like right up to the last second and Uh, you know she did a great job with the time she had and the resources she had but it just the armor was just not looking how we wanted it to look you know it was kind of a bit flimsy and a bit cheap and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff so basically we we did the shoot anyway we sort you know we were there we had to do it yeah um and then we came away and we kind of you know we looking back at the shots and we were just like oh it's just not working it's not this is not up to the the standard we want so we reluctantly kind of went back to indiegogo and asked for the fans if they would help us out with a, bit, a little bit more money just to go back because because the, the cost of location stuff was just a lot of money so yeah but we wanted to, we wanted to make sure we get those shots with the costumes looking great so we redid the armor uh which is the ar- armor you see now and uh was kind of made up of like biker armor and all that sort of stuff um and we went back and reshot to get those scenes but it was we ended up pretty much making ourselves, like you know like just to get it done and you know to, to make sure we had it looking how we wanted it yeah. to look sort of thing so uh with the help of some like seamstresses you know and tie it all together and all that but um yeah so it was, a, it was a long process and hard to get it how we wanted it to look but again we had to keep it um yeah mobile like so Aaron because of the fights and stuff yeah. um you yeah, the big shoulder everyone's saying I was on the big shoulders and stuff which we would love to have had but we we can't well, try things like that right, yes would be and it for it to be if it's solid you know like it is in thing you know it's yeah. a solid armor because it just you see it crack off. Yes, yeah, so brittle, it's brittle. Yeah, yeah but it, you know, we and we thought about that sort of stuff, but it just wasn't. I mean, the, the arms would, would scrape the, you know, yeah, it would yeah. break,
3: and it'd even just, just, just to do some of the iconic pauses would be impossible. Exactly, to yeah. shorter,
4: and
10: uh, it would be so so heavy
4: as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. we kind of went for a, you know, took our did our take on it, and made a little bit you know softer armor, but it was like yeah more agile, movable, and that sort of thing. So would you
3: say <laughs> if you're doing uh, Crowdfunded Pro? Yeah. Involving the communities the way they go. Yeah.
4: Definitely, yes. I think, um, you, you know, you're getting direct feedback with your audience you know, about what things they want to see. They You know, they can help out if they want to with funding mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. You, you get more ideas. You get, you know, you can get a real sense of what everyone's after
10: and how, you know, what's going to be best for the project. Yeah. Sorry. And obviously, the more they involved they feel, the more they're going to want to he- help out kind of yep. thing. Yeah. Um, like like
3: em- emotionally invested yeah, in a project once of
10: yeah, like every video we did where we updated people and stuff, we just thought if we were if we were watching someone talk about this, what would we want them to or what would we want to hear or what yeah. do we want to know about as fans? So we just kind of tried to answer the questions that we'd have ourselves, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then hopefully it comes across as genuine because we are genu- genuine about it, yeah. and that, that gets people invested, kind of thing. Um, but we pretty much made Twitter, Facebook, and stuff our life for like the months that we were raising the money, yeah. like. I was I was having to stay up till like two in the morning to be like on American time so I could tweet with people and stuff like that and just but just you know to have that connection and reply and make sure they knew that you're there to kind of talk to them and stuff.
3: So when you've got worldwide backers, you've got to be yeah on the social networks all the time.
10: Yeah, like because they obviously like Japan's a big um, you know Japan's a big audience, America's a big audience, and then you've got like Canada and UK and stuff. So I was having to kind of promote it for the UK and stuff like that, mm-hmm. then stay up late. Sort well, like a so like scheduled tweet me.
3: for the golden hours in exactly. every different yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. time zone. And-
10: but to be honest, I re- actually really enjoyed it, because when I stayed up late and I got the responses from the people in America and stuff, it was great, because I was like, people actually are responding and they care, so I don't mind staying up and, you know.
3: Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, what are you guys working on next at k
10: Well, since the Saiyan saga, we did some uh, f- stuff with the freezer saga, so we've done yeah. like a couple of teasers. Um, but the big thing is that we're trying to do now is that um, we've also been doing kind of other films like uh, fun stuff like Star Wars zombies and all kind mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Um, but we've been concentrating on our efforts on actually trying to find get the live action rights to Dragon Ball Z because we were close to doing a big Kickstarter, but we didn't want. We didn't want to get shut down. No, yeah. we, we raised a lot of money, then we're halfway through, we spent half of it, we get shut down. And, and then... I've
3: seen like, projects, uh, there was a Final Fantasy one that, yeah. w- that got very far and got Mine- shut down.
10: Minecraft recently. Yeah. Um, so we saw stuff like that, and we were like, at the end of the day, we're done on the right, so, and if we spent half their money, then people I mean, can't give it back, because that's you know, yeah. a bad thing. So we decided that we we really need to kind of concentrate, and um, I don't know if... Uh, well, there's a series called Street Fire Assassin's Fist, which came out recently, mm-hmm. and... Um, um, it's been really successful, and we've been kind of we've been put in the direction of the companies that help make that happen. Yeah. So we're now working towards trying to get to do a live action series. Uh, it's going well. I can't say too much. I don't want to, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's going... Yeah. So that's the kind of big aim, and in the meantime, we're going to be doing other fun like Dragon Ball Z stuff. We got something we're going to shoot in the next couple of months that should be quite fun. So yeah.
3: So people should stay tuned to your YouTube channel. Definitely, yeah. And they can find that.
10: Uh, or if you go on YouTube and search for K eight. K Productions, the number eight, uh, your final channel.
3: Okay. Well, thanks very much for coming in to talk to us. Thanks for having us. Thank
10: you. Uh, welcome back to the
5: Geek Show on the internet, and this is our SunnyCon special. Uh, please stay tuned. We will announce the details of our Yu-Gi-Oh! statue competition. Yes. Yeah, so, also, put it on our Facebook page and uh, website. Yes. But we are having a little bit of a break from the rev- interviews. interviews to do some reviews. Yes, we are. Starting um, with you, I, I guess. Think. I should start. Uh, I had a go with uh, Grid Autosport. Uh, what was the last Grid? It was quite recent, it? Grid, grid Grid two. 2 was quite recent, yeah. and it seems to take a lot of cues from that. Uh, but before any of that, the Autosport is a very fitting title because uh, there's a career mode which sort of spans every sort of spot imaginable, and another aspect of Pinkar which makes this game awesome, it has split-screen multiplayer. There you go. I could finish revealing that. Split-screen <laughs> multiplayer is a thing of the past, but uh, the career mode is what it's sort of tailored around, which is huge, frankly. With these uh, motorsport games, you'll have, like, a Formula One career and you'll do your bit and get the championship and do whatever. But with this, there's, like, five separate classes which have, like, different classes within that thing. And, uh, for example, there's the tuner level, which... oh distinction or class, whatever you want to call it... And in that, you have like a uh, drift, which is officially the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm not joking. As muscle cars, it has all sorts of different groups within that, and has different event types. Like, there is the drift, which is super difficult. There's like a uh, time travel style events, which you have like a rolling start, and you've got to clock in lap times to keep like a position in the chart. Uh, and it's the gameplay-wise, it's much of a continuation of the last grid in this respect that you have to pay a thousand percent attention; otherwise, you will be an absolute mess. But sort of as a defensive mechanism towards that, I can't remember the exact title of it. But on the PlayStation, you press Triangle, and the game will rewind to a certain point where you get yeah. balls up the corner or you know make a mess out of it, so you can have. All oh, right. Yeah. I can't remember the like a tool-assisted
3: running like simulator. Yeah. yeah that's getting
2: and uh, it it gets much harder and difficult. That rewind function is quite common in racing games. It these days. is
5: nowadays, but I have to do it so on like easy. So, like Prince of Persia Kart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it on easy, so it, it shows me the breaking lines. <laughs> it's very, yeah. a very difficult game, but it's one of these racing games where there's just so much on offer, and there's so much to do, and each type of car and each class has a different sort of gameplay mechanic. I mean, there's even endurance racing, which what? takes you on night-time courses, and it's just so much to offer. There, it's it's pretty much the racing game for all racing fans. It's yeah, it's quite complete in that respect. But I don't think there's an awful lot. Well, I think I'll just leave it at that. It is a racing game for all racing fans. There's just so much on offer. It's very pure in that respect.
2: Fantastic.
5: Very very pure.
2: Right, Dave. Do you want to do? Uh, From a game for pure racing fans to a game
3: for pure farming fans. It's Farming Simulator 14. And I checked this out and there's not 13 previous iterations. In fact, uh, the one I reviewed was uh, Farming Simulator 14 on 3DS. Um, The last one on 3DS was called Farming
2: Simulator 3D. I thought you were going to say Harvest Moon for a second there.
3: No, I'd rather have been playing Harvest Moon to be honest. There is one human in this entire game <laughs> who pops up at the start to say um, you'll need to sell stuff to, like you know, to run a farm. I'm like, all right, but it is really alarming how few tutorials or anything like that are in the game. Even like when you need to purchase equipment, um, you just get told the name of something. Not what it does. That's kind
5: of hardcore game in there.
3: Yeah, so I, I had a lot of difficulty playing it. Uh, I did have to look up some guides. You will need the manual with you, because otherwise it's impenetrable. And uh, it's quite solid. It's, I'd say there's a big learning curve and a quite a big barrier of entry, so it'll put off anyone wanting to casually play it. it as I say, it's not as easy to pick up as something like Harvest Moon, where... Mm-hmm. You you just jump in and you can know what you're doing because it yeah. explains it What's quite well. Is
5: it like a, f- a theme hospital or theme park sort of scenario, where you have a farm and you know make it work?
3: Well, yeah, you you but you get dropped off straight into it. So you dropped off straight in your farm, and there's a lifeless little town next to you with a few cars going through you, Through, and as I say, you will see no the humans in the game, and uh, you can pick through the vehicles that you can. If you press, like, right and left on the D-pad, you'll scroll through the vehicles that you've currently got. You can attach things to the back of them, you know, whether you want to uh, sow seeds or plough things or farm. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of farm. If you uh, if you press the shoulder buttons, you can rotate your camera around things and get some cool-looking shots.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, like... Um, your combine harvester.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you see, this is a sort of zoo tycoon thing,
5: sort of a dressed-up... Uh, photography yeah. suite yeah could <laughs> be interesting things but no
3: but yeah well curious. i did mani- i did manage to uh, after trying to play the game for quite a while i ended up just taking a field and drawing things in it with a combine harvester <laughs> 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 and uh, making traffic jams in the in the local town by ramming my tractor into a car and then detaching the trailer That's and cool. then Messing up the other lane as well. Was it a lovely combine harvester? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it was new. I think there is.
7: Yeah, you
0: have
3: to use a combine harvester to uh, to get hay, and then you to feed hay,
2: and then you feed that to cows, which you never see. You never see the cows. No, not really. Literally the only living thing in the game is that human you met at the beginning.
3: And he's just he's just a picture of a human. You know like in the corner. You know like um wow. you know like in an RPG where it goes yeah. like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. And if you play on expert he says one line to you and that's it he's just gone forever. There's an expert mode? Oh yeah, there's beginner, <laughs> normal and expert. <laughs> I started off trying on expert because I thought, you know, Sounds like a super serious version of the Cars universe. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, I got this, I got this, I'll try Expert. And um, no, I hadn't got this. Then I went into Beginner and thought, oh, let's
2: explain things to me a bit more. It didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It really didn't. I mean, is there any potential for this game? More than that, who's this game actually for? Um, yeah,
3: I don't know. I think... It's kind of rewarding when you get things right, but part of that is because of the steep difficulty curve. Yeah. That, like, if you actually manage to do it, there's a bit of achievement to it. But really, I'd say stick to things like Harvest Moon, and at at least it's got romance options in Harvest Moon. Yeah. You kind of made it sound like Dark Souls for the, you know, professional job in the
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Which I
3: wish was the case, but...
0: No.
3: <laughs> oh, there's, there's a poster quote there. Yeah, but the thing is, Dark Souls punishes you for failure. This The only punishment is tedium. Making you do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to do it again, you just have to keep going.
5: It just sounds kind of cruel.
3: And like <laughs> it does. you'll you'll run out of fuel on your vehicles eventually, and you'll run I'm... out of money, and okay. it's just a slow
2: entropy that kills you. The thing is, it's starting to sound more like the kind of game that I would make my nephew play if he was naughty. Ah, oh, don't <laughs> do that to him. That's, that's cruel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go work on your farm. Okay. Yes.
5: So, uh, that says a lot about you, Rob. <laughs> Rounding yeah. out the review section, we have uh, yeah, your
2: review. That's mainly because I was playing Murdered Soul Suspect, and there's a lot of violence in this game, and some of it's quite disturbing, and it shows uh, quite... Uh, it. Most of the violence in this game is directed towards women, which I found slightly distasteful. Um, on the other hand, you can do almost no violence yourself because you're a ghost.
0: <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> no, that, that's the premise. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly, yeah, like
2: well, <laughs> Oh, is that a spoiler? Can you anyway, help a woman make a clear pot? Uh, no, you can't, unfortunately. No, you. Nor can, you uh, can you carry a penny? Can you possess people and do the Charleston? No, you can possess people, and you can, planning. you can, you can possess people, and you can share their thoughts, and you can get information from them, and change aspects of their behaviour, kind of in the name, uh, in the way of say, you know, remember me. Mm. Uh, the game uh, was it by Nobody Capcom. Nobody played that game. Ironically, I don't remember it. Yeah, okay. but anyway, um, you can change behaviors, uh, things like that. You play uh, the role of Detective Ronan O'Connor, who used to be a criminal but is now a cop, who was thrown out of a third-floor window, with, full of, uh, you know, with loads of bullets riddling his chest, by the Bell Killer, a serial killer that he has been chasing.
3: That
5: so. seems like a pretty much closed and shut case there
3: yeah he he got killed
2: (laughs) oh no but he was a serial killer that he hadn't
3: caught yet
2: he done got killed by the bell killer okay (laughs) um but yeah anyway so you have to solve your own murder you have to solve your own murder in it's kind of in the style of say shadow of memories doa that sort of thing but not quite because you wake up as a ghost and you meet your dead wife uh julia i think she's called and she tells you you're not allowed to go to heaven until you sort things out on earth and you're like okay that means solving my own murder that doesn't sound like he deserves to be in heaven frankly well you know, he goes to you know he then proceeds to go around hunting clues and solving his murder in kind of a uh, a, a low rent uh what was that uh, Rockstar game called the one L'Ele noir where- uh, yeah, in kind of a uh, in kind of a *La Noire* style thing, but without the uh, without the kind of vast open world of *La Noir. This no, is the town of Salem in Massachusetts, and this whole uh, there's some neat tra- things that you can do. You can walk through walls, you know. You can take control of people, you know. You can possess them, that sort of thing. But you can't walk through the walls of consecrated buildings, right? You have to wait until someone opens a door or a window. And that really confused me because I I was standing there thinking, well, hang on, if I can't walk through the walls of a consecrated building, how can I walk through the door? How can I step on holy ground if I'm supposed to be a ghost? So it's like vampire rules? Yeah. Got to be invited. Yeah, you got to be invited. And I I didn't quite get that because I'm supposed to be a ghost and vampire rules don't apply to ghosts last time I looked. But yeah, we. You don't set the ghost rules. I know I don't. It just didn't make <laughs> sense to me. Anyway, this is—I've got to be honest. This is a very short game. You can finish oh, it. In short, about short. six hours.
5: Is there any sort of longevity, or you know, anything to add to life? Not really. Difficult once you've done, levels?
2: once you've done the main, the main story puzzles. I mean, the main story, the main the main story is the only reason to play this. So. It sounds very
5: reasonably, like it could be a PSN, Xbox Live, WiiWare sort of title.
2: Well, the thing is, it's not a bad game, but it's very, very limited in scope. They could have done so much more with this game. Um, visually, it's it's quite attractive. It's got a great atmosphere for something that is kind of a supernatural horror, uh, you know, straddling the border between the two. Um you do have a little bit of combat type thing where you sometimes see these demons and you have to avoid touching them because they'll dissolve you into nothing. And you basically ectoplasm. Yeah, you basically have to do the whole run up behind them and clonk them on the head type thing. But um, go stealth. Yeah, go stealth. That's kind of a stupid. <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> yeah. Tom Clancy's anyway. three con. Yeah, um, you're, you know, you basically get to learn how to do things. Uh, you meet uh, you meet other ghosts. One of them being like uh, some, some some girl called Abigail, a Puritan era uh, Aren't teenage girl. Abigail. Yeah, I know. Oh. Uh, it, got, it got tedious for me as well, and it it's kind of it's a bit difficult to just, to explain. It's a nice game. It's a likable game. It's an enjoyable game, but. No, when you finished it, it's just kind of yeah, I'm done. I'll go do something else. So it's not really deserving. It's not a memorable
5: dollars or forty pound price point. No, I would. I, have, I would. It's the this ending. Lower. You get
2: captured by Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. No, unfortunately, oh. does it have multiple endings? Uh, not really. No. Wow, this is really limited. Isn't it's it? It's very, very limited in scope. Um, so it's, it's not all controlled by a weird dog in a no. It's factory.
9: not. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh, shame. The
2: thing is. As a concept piece It's it's really good as a concept piece It's really it, But it's a kind of uh, To be honest It's It's what I would It's what you get This this game isn't really a game It's kind of what you get Before you actually have a game Right Okay So it's
5: like a beta test sort of
2: thing It, it feels more like a beta test Because of how limited it is um, okay, they could have done so much more with it. They could have expanded the main campaign. They could have had him solving, you know, they could have, could have had other crimes happening and so had then, him taking so part in solving those. So, like a limited
5: sort of open world where some like, range of side missions would have helped a lot.
2: Yes. I mean, it is kind of an open world. You can explore the town of Salem, but it's a town, it's small, you know, there's so not I mean, really many places to go. So, like 1980s B movies towns, it's like three streets and a bar. Yeah, basically. There. Yeah. Um, that, it, it's the it's a B movie. Seriously. Okay. It's a B movie in a video game. Uh it could have been so much better if they'd actually been a, been a bit more ambitious.
5: But if it was sold on uh, one of the If not,
2: it, if they BSN, were, if
5: they dropped Live, the, if
2: we were and it was like a tenner or, or something Well no, like. I mean if they dropped the price point, if it if, if they drop the price point, if this was a 25 pound game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On disc then it'd be worth it. Right, okay. But, okay. Uh, but paying £10, £15 pounds more than that for this, uh, I don't think that's fair. Okay. For, a, for six hours of entertainment when you can pay 40 quid and get Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 5. I'll wait and get it on the Xbox. Or I'll PS4 wait yeah. for some reason. Exactly, but if you could, uh, you know, uh, you can pay the same price, get Grand Theft Auto 5, and enjoy yourself for the next 100 hours.
5: Okay, and, uh.
2: So, I- yeah that's that one that's better it's all suspect back to normal business back to normal business Uh, we've got time enough for two more interviews which I think we're going to have to play back to back starting with Quentin
5: and who would be the second one be
2: Uh, I think we're going to have to go with Lawrence
5: Lawrence from Massacre X
2: Lawrence from Team Four Star so uh, back to back we will go with Quentin first Uh, this is uh, where did I put Lawrence there he is um we'll start off quentin um this is quentin flynn uh, the not advice actor who also plays the voice of raiden
3: hello guys and welcome to the geek show uh, we're here at SunnyCon and i'm joined by quentin flynn quentin yes i'm quinn and i weigh a ton flynn in like flynn <laughs> and uh, you may recognize his voice from many many games and a couple of anime as well yeah yeah loads uh very famous for roles like uh, raiden in the metal gear franchise yes uh that's
7: uh role that's been going on for quite a while now since uh, 2001 i think we started it so nearly 15 years and i can't do math uh <laughs> i'm kidding no you're right yeah because we're in 2014 now the most recent game we did was rising revengeance yeah and um uh could hideo kojima said that sounded like christopher Walken. hideo kojima said that there's going to be a sequel ah so i don't know when but i am waiting with bated breath as i'm sure all of you fans are. Yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting, very unlike the other Metal Gear games, yeah. but I did r- really enjoy it myself. It was produced by a different company, uh, and you probably know the name. Uh, I believe, uh, p- were Platinum, Platinum involved? Platinum, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did a great job. So how have you found it in Sunderland so far? Oh, I love it. I'm in heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good to be, you know, it feels like home. Yeah. England and Ireland, that's where um, my family's originally from. So when I whenever I come over, it's just immediately... I'm at home, everything's beautiful, and you know, everyone here in Sunderland's great, and you've got the sea. Yeah. We're right by the sea, I don't know if you know that out there, but the sea is right over here, it's just gorgeous. Have you been out to the beach yet? I have, yeah. I haven't gotten a tan, because I don't tan, I burn. Yeah. So, but I just took it in, and then I went and got some ice cream, and uh, the young lady at the hotel told me I had to get uh, vanilla ice cream with monkey's blood. Strawberry a- sauce, yeah. Strawberry sauce, yeah. And a, uh, a flake. It was a chocolate, yeah. you know, like a 99 flake. That's that's what they call it. Yeah. yeah I don't even know what that means. It's just a flake stuck yeah, in yeah. an ice cream. But in my head, a flake is going to be something light. But No, uh, it's, it's a thick chocolate staff. Yes. That sounds dirty. Didn't mean for it to be.
3: <laughs> we, we've got our strange customs. Uh, there's a lemon top is another kind of ice cream we have over here as well. A lemon top? It's like topped with lemon. I'd call it sorbet, but that sounds way too posh for what it is. Oh, yeah? But that's another northeast kind of uh, ice cream thing we've got going on. I like it. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to try.
7: Well, we'll have you trying all the local delicacies <laughs> before you go back to America. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And the dialect is different than anything I've heard before. It's cool, man. So could you tell us a little bit about the characters you've worked on and perhaps, like, what your favorite characters you voiced? Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, well, I mean, you already mentioned... Uh,
10: which did you mention?
7: Uh Raiden. That's right, Raiden. Okay, from and the Metal Gear Things series. like uh, Axel yeah. and Kingdom Hearts. Axel, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, got it memorized. For all of you mad fans out there. Uh Reno from Final Fantasy Advent Children. Gosh, who else? Well, I mean, there's Timon from The Adventures of Timon and Pumbaa, which is a long time ago cartoon series that I replaced Nathan Lane in when he was doing the movie The Birdcage. Why? Because he could. Um, I also played... uh Snowbell, which was another Nathan Lane character in the animated series, uh, Stuart Little. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gosh, in the video game world, I played Spider-Man in Marvel's Ultimate Alliance. Venom in Friend or Foe. Johnny Storm, the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four.
3: There was one I wasn't aware of, but uh, I played a lot of Warcraft and didn't even realize that you did uh, Kalthas. Yes, yes. Which uh, must have been quite a fun character. He's very... uh
7: very theatrical. Yeah, 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 which I enjoy. I mean, it's always fun to. It's fun to go over the top. Whether you're an over-the-top yank or you're an over-the-top Brit, it's always wonderful, especially if you get to be devious and deviant. What are you looking at? Don't you look at Dave like that. I don't want to have to kill you, but I will! Because my name is Rexus Rage Spear from Guild Wars! It's a nice segue. Yeah. Yeah. So, Guild Wars, uh was it two and three or one and two i can't recall but i played rexus in that and there another character named arlen arlen was a bit more posh yeah uh, it sounds like you enjoy a lot of the roles you've done then i do man it's a great time i mean it's acting is playing you know just yeah. letting yourself be and and go and do and have and you know you you take what the writer has written and and you do with it the best you can and and then if you're lucky, you get to act opposite someone who's, you know, on par and you've got a great director. And when they and the producers know what they want, then it's, uh, you know, symbiotic and it's, and it's a wonderful flow. Yeah. Do you
3: find it, like, more fun to, um, like, have a new take on a character or, like, revisit a
7: character that you've, uh, you've done in the past? Um, that's an interesting question. Because usually when I do, like, a character like Ryden, when I've come back you know i am revisiting him but there is a bit of a new spin on it Mm -hmm. each time like he's matured a lot between two and four yeah yeah and they they intentionally did that and uh uh little known fact i actually had to re-audition for ryden i didn't know that Yeah, for that role and then uh when they did the new game a different uh company had started it uh i was not involved and then um they brought on the original team, as well as director Chris Zimmerman. Yeah. Who was wonderful. And she's been directing me for years. We started out uh, when I was Johnny in The Adventures of Johnny Quest. And we'd say things like, you know... Come on, Dad. we got to go find Bandit. Haji? Haji? Started there. And then when I did Ryden, she brought me in. She said, closer to your real voice. But like Johnny Quest, he's a hero. So he was a bit more of a, you know, a freshman. Yeah. So... You know, Ryden was more in here. And then, by the time they got to uh, four, they wanted him to be more of a world-weary, war-torn cyborg ninja. Especially when he was Jack the Ripper. Yes, because in uh, Metal Gear Rising, there's like two distinct kind of vocal styles. Yes, yeah. And when we worked on that, she had to remind me. She's like, Quentin, clean Ryden. Right, right. Right, right in here. Yes. And then Jack the Ripper, you know, it's... I will rip your head off and down your throat. I'm laughing as I say it, because I know you have to bleep it. Um, what would he say? I am I am lightning, the rain transformed. And now it's time to... Wait, take two. And now it's time to... And now it's time for Jack to let her rip. Yeah. A good bit of scotch just to get the book. That would be better, yeah, actually. Or maybe some uh, Bushmills or Jamesons or Powers. And those are all good as well. So is that tips of the vo- uh, vocal trade? A nice, well, yeah, nice little bit of harsh whiskey. Whiskey and cigars. I mean, that's really what it takes. So all, no, all, the, all the kids kidding. out there yeah, watching. <laughs> no, don't. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm really teasing. I don't think it'll do abode well for you. Um, oh, I did, uh, for any of you Batman fans out there, I did Arkham City Origins. All right. I played a character named uh, Alberto Falcone. Ah, right, the mob boss. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? What's going on? Don't mess with me. And he also had an alter ego when he was off his medication. Mm-hmm. It was just insane. Uh, that was fun. And I've done a couple movies recently. Um, one's called Eyewitness. And um, the other one is called... Uh, that one's live action. The other one is an animated one, animated feature. Why am I blanking on it? It'll come to me. As we're talking, I will blurt it out. We can, we can, like, splice it in in the edit. Still all. <laughs> See, I knew it know was going to happen. My character's name is Saad. Ah. Yes. So, Sa- Middle Eastern, yeah. So, how does it compare, like,
3: f- uh, when you're doing things, something like uh, Arkham Origins, of course, uh, you'll be the, the first one to do the, the vocal performance, but if yes. you're doing something like uh, Metal Gear or Kingdom Hearts, uh, there'll be a seiyuu that does that as well,
7: I assume. There'll be uh, there'll be a, a Japanese voice actor that's already oh, yeah, yeah. performed that role. Yeah. Well, in uh, Kingdom Hearts, what they uh, anything that they have that needs to be dubbed, you know, they'll put it up on a television screen uh, in front of me, and then I'll I'll have, of course, the copy on my sheet music stand with the microphone, uh, headphones on, director, writer, producer, engineer on the other side of the glass, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, the way it works is I hear a series of three beeps. Is it three or two? Yeah, three. I think it's three beeps, and then you speak on the imaginary fourth beep. Mm -hmm. And then I have to sync up my performance to the lips of the character. Right. So it's weird because you have to nail the intention you know, and the emotion along with the timing of the lip flaps of the character. So that's how the Kingdom Hearts works. Yeah. And sometimes we are given original lines of dialogue that maybe we don't have to sync to picture. Mm-hmm. but what they do these days is they videotape us just like we're doing now and then they'll take that and they'll usually do some cgi work to make yeah, the miles retarget more... it and yes. keep it
3: synced with the actual dialogue so you're not having to time your performance
7: as much but I, I assume the gestures and things won't change but the lips perhaps will that's it but with the riding in the kingdom hearts series i mean the uh, metal gear series excuse me We don't work to picture in that way. Mm -hmm. The only time we work to picture is when it's the action stuff, and they actually have live uh, performers that they filmed in Japan who are doing uh, motion capture fighting. Yeah, and so we have worked to that. I've worked to that before, which is wild. Watching these guys do these amazing fight scenes and acrobatics, yeah, blow you away. And so for timing, we will have to work to that. But the acting, and again, you've got to nail the acting in a certain amount of time. Sometimes they'll add words if it's short. Sometimes they'll cut words if it's long. Okay, cool. Yeah. But most of the time, they have a video camera on us. And and again, for them, it's easier just to sync it up yeah. visually. So that's the advent of technology. Because when we started in 2001, they didn't have that. Yeah, We just worked to waveforms and timing. And they didn't you know, have our yeah. face captured. Oh,
3: so the industry's, like, changed a lot over the past ten yeah. ten years, oh, quite a little. Radically. Yeah. Because it was still, uh... Things like Metal Gear 2 was still a massive budget game, so that would have been the height of... Yeah. Like, the tech at the time. It, it was, yeah, and it blew us away. And these pages, we used to get, like, phone books. It was huge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it must be, like... Uh, there's a lot of dialogue in games like that that uh, probably goes unheard by most of the players, like a lot of the codex scenes are very situational, so... Yeah. There's probably... I assume there's more into games in terms of volume of a voice performance, like the amount of work you'd have to do compared to animation, for example, or live action.
7: True, yeah. Oh, yeah, animation goes pretty quickly. Uh, and live action just depends on how involved your character is, of course, yeah. within it. But I think you're right. with voiceover and uh, the video games and all the options, yeah, I mean, like I said, you're right, stacks and stacks of scripts, so... You know, it takes forever, and um, uh, unfortunately, a voice actors or actors who do voiceover roles are getting a lot more credit these days, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it, it takes a lot, and it is a bit more difficult, I would say, more challenging than on-camera, television. Yeah. Fi- uh, was it like, it's like film, television, theater, and then voiceover, it depends on the project, You know, you've got any number of things you have to cover. Mm -hmm. So, for someone who's not used to it, you know, they don't know what to do because you can't. You don't have your face. You don't have your body with on camera. A subtle gesture, quiet, or no words. You know, is yeah. You have to say a lot more with your words than yeah. Yeah, because
3: they've said in communication uh, about seventy percent of that is all body language, and you don't have that. Right. Thank you very much for coming in and Tuesday. speaking to us, but you're great.
7: Thank you. Yeah, all the best. Hi, this is Krillin, and this is Usopp. We have very similar voices, except my voice hurts more than this one. And you're listening to The Geek Show.
3: Hello, and welcome to The Geek Show. I'm joined here by Lawrence of Team Four Star, also known as Massacre X, uh-huh. and Sonicon regular now. You've been here all three years.
9: Yeah, this is my third time, and you must excuse me here, but it's just so hard. I mistook this for a lo- uh, nice lolly. Yeah, in fact, someone was just giving them out right just now, and I think, I think one of your friends was just like, I got a nice lolly. I'm so happy."
3: And we <laughs> lured you in with these uh, these trick ice lollies.
9: Yeah, you did, You're a... <laughs> jerk. You don't mess around with lollies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, it's really good to be here. But yeah, this is my fir- uh, third sunny Con. Um, I remember back in the uh, back in the city centre, 2012. That was that was a good venue, but yeah. it's gotten oh it's just it's ridiculous how fast any cons grow oh so definitely I mean, it was 900 in its first year and that's great for a yeah. first year con here but now it's like pfft, well know. it's definitely the biggest
3: one in the northeast of england oh definitely and it's getting up there with uh the biggest anime cons in the country at this point i
9: would say actually it's probably bigger that of uh, pure anime conventions yeah
3: i and mean not counting the mcm and you can't Steel really Masters, count that of... though
9: because that's a comic con and that's yeah. that's no that's just like a big department store yeah it's just like say and and now down this are we have your star wars figures and here they have your kawaii desu accessories <laughs> that's pretty much what it is yeah but it's cool though oh no, no, no oh back in may the queuing was not that great I'm trying to fit seventy thousand ah, yes. people through three sets of doors no. something's so... a lot better now
3: So would you say that, like, a con like this, where you've got events and uh, focus more towards the fans than the distributors, really?
9: Yeah, definitely. It's just, like, one of those things where it's just nice to have that um, atmosphere where there's stuff going on, having parties and just a general nice time where you can just go and escape and chill out, buy some stuff, buy the merchandise, and don't forget, yeah, you can get your cool sunny con t-shirts and stuff, yeah. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so are you on the sunny con payroll yet
9: or no <laughs> <laughs> no but uh no i'm just i'm i i i no i think tucky and donna they're they're they're, they're really good, good uh, they're really good organizers yes. and they bring re- some really cool people yeah and anyone who brings over chris sabbath and veronica taylor in their first year they're, they're they're doing something right yep and having so, tatum and Flynn, Flynn this year that's fantastic
3: so obviously with team Foster you do uh, the voice of goku
9: that's correct. So, was that fun
3: bouncing off Chris Sabat? I assume that you managed to get that at some point. Um,
9: I think at the first Con, we really we didn't get to, like, talk much about the Goku stuff. We mainly just chatted normally. Yeah. I mean, we just, like, really networking with the guys, you know, as a dude, really. He's yeah. Just, he's, so, he's so chill. And just being able to, like, just, you know, just have a, a discussion with the guy who directed one of my favourite... Um, anime dubs of the day. Yeah, that was that was pretty special. I'm just so, them, just be so laid back and such a chill guy. So, what's it like working with
3: the rest of the team, four star guys? Because it's uh, obviously the <laughs> cast is quite worldwide, really, isn't it?
9: Yeah, actually. Well, when you say worldwide. It's what, mainly America and American, England, Canada and Canada. Because you got to remember, you got to remember our friend, our friendly Canadian Tarka. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's Tarka. And uh, but uh, it's I'm pretty much one of the I think well, you got to count the Karibo as yeah. one of the Brits. So yeah, kind of, we're, both of us are flying the flag for them in terms of the bridges on Team Four Star. But yeah, so yeah, it, it's nice. It's nice to have an actual range of people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mostly it's um, American or North American kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And what's uh,
3: what's it like to? to do the Goku character because even in the original he did have some comedy moments. Mm-hmm. So is he a fun character to work with?
9: Oh, God, no. He's a real jerk. <laughs> but, no. Uh, voicing Goku is... It's, it's really fun. What, the whole point of the whole Goku thing is that I t- try to make a mix of... All sorts of voices for him. Mm-hmm. That, or there have been so many dubs, including Sean and awesome dub. And then there's Ian Corlett, Peter Kalimus, Kirby Morrow, all the people that have done the English voices. So of course, Master Nazar, who I'm... That's kind of a, a nod to my yeah. online name. Uh, just kind of like coming up with a mix of that. Meaning that it's something for everyone. There's a little bit of something about all the different Gokus that have ever existed. Yeah, so something that everyone's got Getting to do character. that is like having the innocent character. Just, just having something that's just really fun to do. And um, I think one of the best lines I've probably done is just like from the latest Cooler movie that we did. Yeah. It's like, in the end, when all is said and done, Freezer was cooler. And cooler was Freezer. <laughs> it's, it's just a nonsensical line, but it was just yeah. the way that it was delivered. And the, and the fact that he's just so sure of himself. <laughs> actually, the whole Freezer thing, how Goku referred to him as Freezer, that's actually a bit of a nod that um, Kaisaneko, our director, did. Because I was having trouble saying veg- Vegeta. Because I was, like my British accent, no, yeah. my British accent came in. It, I was just going Vegeta, and if fr- and then he just threw that in for freezer. So that's kind of <laughs> that was a bit of a nod, really, and a bit of a yeah. That was, that was I I found it funny. Yeah.
3: So how long do the e- episodes take to edit generally and to, to get up?
9: Well, as a rule of thumb, it usually takes four to five weeks to get an episode out. But in terms of the editing process, because there's a lot, so many things you got to deal with uh you got like three or four days to write the thing so mm-hmm. three or four really like two three hour sessions over a course of four days then it depends on how many actors there are in so it could be maybe just five or six it could be 10 it could be 12 it really depends on how many members of the team four star lot are there and then of course there's the editing that's usually about 60 to 80 hours for, per episode depending on if there's loads of visual effects and stuff yeah so kaiser is our editor and director and he works himself to the bone there are yeah, times where i've it- heard
3: that he's mm. done a lot in terms of uh, mm. creating new content mm. or really cleaning up the content that's there
9: oh yeah 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 i mean in the again in the cooler movie he pretty much had to he spent two weeks solid on that movie mm-hmm. just getting up editing it and then going to bed he he had no life and having to deal with all the the awkward animation in that film. Yeah. Like there's a bit where Piccolo's looking rather cool and in, like he has a bit of a lazy eye. Right. <laughs> yeah, so he um, he has to kind of end up uh, adjusting it so many times where things were just needed to be changed and just tweaked. So you're currently
3: in coming up to the Cell
9: Saga. Mm-hmm. So d- is there a, a a plan for when you get to the end of Boo? Um, well, the, the moment, the plan is is that we're having, a, like, a mid-season break, because mm-hmm. when Cell arrives, we're considering that the end of Season 3. Right, the end of the
3: androids. And-
9: well, at the end of the android saga proper, and then going into the Cell saga. Yeah. Um, kind of using that as a bridge to Season 4, and probably going into August, we'll probably have Episode 43. So cool. That's, so we're having a summer break. Not necessarily meaning that there's no content. There will be content coming out, but... But It'd probably be something related to um, so, Team Four Star. So more like the movies or the... Uh... Uh, potentially. I, I can't really say yet, yeah. because you know it's still tr- we're st- it's still in deliberation about what's going to happen, but you never know. Cool. Yeah. And uh, if people want to check out the Team Four Star
3: content, where should they go to?
9: Well, all they need to do is just go on com and that's where you find all the con- content. We do, like, Let's Plays and podcasts and other stuff so we not yep. sketches and
3: I do enjoy things like the two scenes play yeah that's really that. good
9: I'm I'm pretty much I'm really quite liking uh dicks of the old republic <laughs> which is uh tarker and lanny playing through the old republic the mmo of yep. star wars uh, that's really fun uh but yeah so there's that and obviously there's facebook twitter just to keep up to date with everything and okay yeah, just generally having that
3: well thanks very much for talking to us today lawrence thanks and very much. Uh, I hope to see you again next SunnyCon as well.
9: Yeah, I hope have, I have to be back. Yeah, I hope to be back every year and have hope to see you again. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
3: Yes, we're back. Why you back, Mike? My mic's gone limp.
6: <laughs>
2: oh, mascot X was a lot of fun to talk to. And yes. I love the Team 4 Star stuff. Yes, we are unfortunately at the end of the show. But um, it's been packed. But we have a competition to announce. Yes, we do. Um, before we disappear into the wild blue sunset.
5: Yes, but we have a lot of interviews we haven't used, so we will be bringing you to that in a sort of abridged show format as soon as possible. Yeah. I hope this sounds okay, I'm kind from of talking From Dragon Baller
3: Bridge to Geek Show Bridge. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Segways. Perfect.
5: The competition, anyway, when the figurine from Yu-Gi-Oh, what was the name of the character?
3: I'm not really... Well, that's Yu-Gi. That oh, that is Yugi. It? Okay, yeah.
5: Yu-Gi from Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, name, the question is, uh, what venue was SunnyCon held in its first... Sure. Year, in his first first year.
2: Year. At what venue was Sonican first held? And if you believe in the heart of the cards, you'll know the correct answer. Unless you've been watching Yu-Gi-Oh Abridged, in which case there are no it's The
3: only games. way to watch it. Yes. That's, that's how I know what to do if the fate of the world that rests on a children's card game. But once
5: you have that answer, send us an email of the correct answer and your to, name yeah. and address to studio at the geek show. And we'll be announcing the winner. When next exactly?
2: Week, next week. Um, title the message, uh, SunnyCon competition. Yes, don't forget to title it like that. Otherwise, it'll go straight into our spam folder. And so, so just, the question again was... At what venue was SunnyCon first held?
3: I know that one.
5: So uh, send that to studio at thegeekshow.co.uk and we'll get back to yep. you with the results in that next yes. week.
2: Don't forget to include your name and address. Otherwise, we can't send you prize if you win.
5: Not monikers or pseudonyms. Yes. We can't send things to Batman or whoever you choose to be. I
2: don't Batman at the Batcave.
5: <laughs> real names. Yes. Real names.
2: I choose to be, uh, well, Cheese Boy.
5: Uh, yes, and that's it. We will bring you more of these interviews in another.
2: Yes, uh, there will be a show. director's version of the show or a light show addition to this show. Uh, we will decide. I th- we'll toss a coin or something like that but For also now, i'm currently editing my way through 100 gigs worth of
3: footage to bring you some lovely uh faces to go with the voices absolutely <laughs>
2: and actions and words and gesticulation yes wild gesticulate gestic- yeah, <laughs> <again. laughs> gesticulation swing swinging <and> a
0: mess <laughs>
2: <laughs> no no i got it right that time <laughs> all right a party yeah. then <laughs> okay we've been the geek show Catch Uh, you next time. I was Dave. I was Rob. And I was there too. Yes. And he was there at SunnyCon and enjoyed it, which is even more shocking. Yeah. It's a shock. Yes, it was shock. Right. We'll see you all next week. Take care and have fun. Bye.